Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The medical supplies as it relates to PPE is probably one of our most important limiting factors right now. And it's not even close. PPE is number one. We still do not have enough PPP to keep all our workers safe. We do have a shortage of PPE. That's the reason we started doing this. There were shortages at hospitals, or to the extent they had them, they were being rationed to the extreme. It seems like no one else in the world can get them, so we're going to get them. Within kind of like a period of a few hours, um, they said, yeah, we're not interested. You're saying I have them. Yep. And they're saying they don't want them. That's about what it comes down to. We know that COVID-19 spreads through the air, so healthcare workers need respirators to protect themselves. State health officials say there's a shortage. So why did hospitals and the Department of Health Services turn down the option to buy them by the tens of thousands? From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson here with my colleague, Amanda St. Hilaire. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Brian. So we're bringing you new episodes of Open Record each day, Monday through Friday during this pandemic to make it easier to sort through the whole bombardment of coronavirus news and it just keeps coming, Amanda. It does, Brian, and we are recording this episode on Thursday morning, April 23rd. As of this morning, the Wisconsin Hospital Association reports 41 of the state's 133 hospitals, roughly 30%, have a week's supply or less of N95 masks for doctors and nurses. State health leaders continue to say there's a shortage of personal protective equipment, or PPE, overall. But a small business owner in Waukesha found they weren't too interested in his ability to import N95-type masks in bulk from overseas. So we have a lot to unpack here, Brian, but I want to start with how you started looking into this issue in the first place. You know, Amanda, this is why I love doing this podcast. You, you remember when we scripted these early on, we had a part at the beginning where we said, it's the stuff we couldn't tell you about on TV. Well, this is exactly that, the stuff we don't have time to tell you in a two or three or four minute story. But, you know, where do stories come from? How do they end up in their final form? In this case, it was a viewer tip. Like so many stories start with an inquiry from a viewer. And this one was upset that a Waukesha man was listing N95 face masks for sale online to the general public. She'd heard all about these shortages that we've heard about that healthcare workers are facing. She thought it was appalling that this small business owner would try to profit by selling masks to the public instead of donating them to hospitals or at least offering to sell them to hospitals at a fair price. So you get that tip. What's your first step to verify the information and see if there's a story there? Well, I saw the online ads that she sent to me. Uh, he listed them on Facebook. I believe he had also listed them for sale on Nextdoor. So the first thing I did was to verify, yes, he's listing them for sale. Looks like the public can buy them. And I placed an order. Ten masks for $50. 
I talked to our news director who said as soon as the story was done, we would donate those masks to a local hospital or some other organization that needs them. But we could show that he was definitely selling them to the general public. At that point, I'm thinking maybe we're dealing with some sort of rogue profiteer. So after placing the order, I get an email that said the masks had been delayed and would not be coming in for another week or more. And I felt this was a story that had some urgency to it. So I just decided to call the man selling the masks and ask him if he would do an interview. What do you have to say? Well, without hesitation, he agreed. And, and that's the first sign right there. It's not always evidence that someone is, is on the up and up. But typically, if someone's doing something that they know is nefarious or maybe uh, that they wouldn't want others to really call attention to, they don't respond right away and say, sure, I'll talk to you on camera. But this gentleman, Will Kamasa, is the owner of a small business called Blizzard Lighting in Waukesha. They make and distribute lighting supplies and video panels for the entertainment industry. In fact, they just put up video panels at Summerfest at their remade Marcus, uh, or now American Family Amphitheater, last year. So you'll see their screens if you go to a concert there, whenever we can go to concerts again. Blizzard, of course, has to import a lot of its electronics and equipment, and that a lot of that comes from China. So Kamasa said he already has connections there, and in talking to some of those suppliers, he quickly realized he could easily get his hands on a large supply of face masks at a very time when there was a shortage going on here in Wisconsin and across the United States. And he admits the idea to import and sell them was about more than just helping the cause. It was a way to keep paying his employees during the pandemic. Our business is off about, I would say, between 90 and 95% from where it was a year ago. I'm certainly not trying to take advantage of the situation. I do have to make a living, and the people that work here have to earn a living the same as anybody else. So he admits he's trying to make money off the masks, but why sell them to the public when there's all this talk about a shortage at hospitals and other healthcare facilities? Well, that's one of the first questions I asked him. His response was, he tried for weeks, and they didn't want them. So, of course, then I have to ask, well, can you prove it? Did you really try? Did you try very hard? And actually, over the course of a few days, I pressed him. Do you, do you have evidence of your communications with hospitals, with the State Department of Health Services? You say you've offered them. What, did, did you sort of maybe make a, a one reach out and then go away um, so that you could you know, feel justified in selling to the public? But he started laying out for me and sent me copies of emails, text messages um, to uh, Aurora, Advocate Aurora, to Freightert to um, Ascension, to the Wisconsin Department of Health Services, and none of them expressed any interest. In fact, some overtly told him, we don't want them. And what reason did they give? Well, a variety of reasons, but by and large, they focused not, I, I expected they would say, look, we can't afford to pay these prices because we usually get them at, you know, 77 cents a mask and he's charging five dollars or something to that effect he did show in some of these emails that he initially offered masks to for instance the wisconsin department of health services uh for two dollars and 62 cents per mask now that is considerably more than n95 type masks would go for in normal times but kamasa's argument is well, that's because the costs in China. Production costs are going up. They're skyrocketing because of the demand for these and the shortage of these worldwide. So while he can get his hands on them, the prices have gone up. The freight to get them here from China. He said he was trying to make enough to help pay his employees, but he was not trying to charge, uh, you know, 
he he called it pennies over cost. I think in the end, what he had, what he acknowledged to me was that he was looking at making about a dollar a mask. Um, maybe that's too much, but the hospitals never said to me the cost was a problem. What they focused on was the fact that these masks are not FDA approved NIOSH certified masks, which is the gold standard for N95. 3M is one of the major manufacturers here in the United States of these N95 respirators, and those those masks have to meet certain standards for filtration to get the FDA approval and NIOSH certification. And again, in typical times, that's medical grade. That's all that healthcare workers would ever be allowed to use. Will Kamasa was under the impression that we're not in normal times. There's a shortage they're going to take whatever they can get their hands on and he can get his hands on some pretty good masks that are pretty close to what we have here in the United States. But he, again, he said they just didn't show any interest. Well, and Brian, I noticed you call these N95 type masks. So going along with the certifications with the gold standard of how these are supposed to work, are these actually N95 respirators? And is there a question of them not working very well? There is certainly a question of whether they work as well as the N95, the FDA-approved NIOSH-certified masks that are produced here in the United States by companies like 3M or Honeywell. Um, they are not N95s because that's a, that's a standard that applies to these U.S.-made masks. There are equivalents around the world, and one of them is the Chinese-made KN95. And it's not clear whether or not the masks that Will Kamasa was importing are KN95, but they are equivalent or, or, or believed to be equivalent. And 3M put out a technical bulletin earlier this year that indicated that these various masks, the KN95s, there's uh, a, another uh, uh, label for those that are produced in Europe, that they are reasonable to consider as equivalent to N95 masks, especially in an emergency situation like this. The filtration abilities are very close. Certainly, the filtration abilities of these masks would far exceed something that you make at home or, you know, a piece of cloth or a bandana. So the question is, th these aren't the gold standard. They're certainly not the bottom of the barrel. They're somewhere in between. And in a shortage situation, are these good enough? Are these better than running out? Well, and in a shortage situation, we've heard from so many healthcare workers who say they had to use the same mask for a week. We know that uh, there's talk now about sterilizing the masks for reuse. So they're already being used in a way that they weren't exactly intended to. It makes me wonder how these N95 type masks compare to a reused N95 respirator. But I, I want to get to that word shortage, Brian. Because there's a big question, it sounds like, about whether there is a true PPE shortage if hospitals and DHS are turning down equipment. Well, and it's interesting because in these uh, occasional briefings that we get from the governor, from uh, DHS secretary designee Andrea Palm, and from the state's chief medical officer, Dr. Ryan Westergaard, they are saying in these meetings that we have a shortage that we don't have enough, that we need to get more. But when I ask the hospitals individually, why would you turn masks down? First of all, I asked, did you? I wanted to confirm, did you? And sure enough, we got the, the text messages and emails that showed they had said no, or they had said, this line is only for donations or, uh, or something to that effect. But then when I asked them directly, 
uh, Advocate Aurora said, we have the supply we need of N95s, at least right now. Now, that doesn't mean they'll have them have enough if there's another surge or, or as things go down the road. They said, we have enough right now, which then raises the question, well, why are you still asking for donations and turning down ones you could buy if you have enough? And in their most recent uh, statement to me, they said, we are no longer asking for donated masks of any kind. Other hospitals still are. And as we know, it was uh, early April when uh, various hospitals started putting out calls for donated masks and giving pre-approved patterns for people to sew at home, which I think for many has left the impression that they are sewing masks for healthcare workers to protect them from COVID-19. And these aren't, they're not sewing N95 type masks. They're not, they're sewing... of course, no, right. They're pre-approved patterns, but you can't make an N95 mask at home. Um, so, so where are those masks going? Well, and that's one of the questions we had. And, and, and Will Kamasa's point is, it, you know, I get that the ones I'm importing aren't the top of the line, but they've got to be better than homemade, right? And so... I asked the hospitals, well, what about these homemade masks? Aren't these better than that? And what they told me, the UW Health said this, Advocate Aurora said this, I didn't get a response at all from Freightert uh, or Ascension. But the, the two that did respond said, we don't use those for healthcare workers. In fact, they would never be used in a, in a, a clinical setting where there's patient contact. Instead, they're using them to give out to visitors who come to the hospital, even though visiting is pretty well limited to the to the small number of visitors who are allowed, if they show up without their own masks, they're distributing them that way uh, because it is at least some level of additional protection. But they each, both Advocate Aurora and UW Health, were clear they do not give homemade masks to healthcare workers who have contact with patients. So what's confusing to me, Brian, is just last week, I covered a press conference where healthcare workers were saying, we don't have enough PPE. They were still describing, this was just last week, they were describing reusing the same N95 mask, which has some concerns about uh, maintaining the integrity of the mask. They were saying they didn't have the correct coverings. A hospital housekeeper was describing in tears having to clean her first COVID-19 death room without the correct PPE. So if hospitals are saying they have enough, why are we hearing this from the people who work there that they're having to reuse these materials and they're not able to access the materials they think they need? It's a great question. And it's hard to say whether or not hospitals are to, in some effect talking out of both sides of their mouth here or the state health officials that we've talked to are, are doing so. What we know is this. Hospitals have had to come up with uh, protocols as to who needs these top-of-the-line masks. And what they've determined is it's it's nurses, it's doctors who have direct contact with patients, particularly in situations where COVID-19 contamination is likely. You have other staff members in the hospital who maybe don't have that kind of direct patient contact who might be able to wear barrier masks, which would just be something that covers the mouth but isn't necessarily uh, an N95-approved respirator. Um, and... and when I talked to UW Health supply chain director, he said these Chinese-made imported masks, because they're not fit-tested to individual faces, because they're not up to the, the normal quality standards uh, or assurance standards that they're, they're used to, they would just be barrier masks. So there are staff members in the hospital where it would be appropriate, maybe someone who is working 
at a desk checking people in, maybe it would be appropriate to have a barrier mask. It's not really clear on that. Um, but the, at the same time, they're saying we have enough. UW Health has just started sterilizing used masks for future reuse. And they've done the research to say we can sterilize these masks up to 10 times. We're only going to do it three times. Um, but then you can get a used mask and use it again. And I don't know how healthcare workers feel about that. I suppose that's something we, we may hear from after this from nurses who say, I, I don't want to use a used mask, even if it's been sterilized. Why not get us new ones? Uh, or would they feel better about using a used mask they know is FDA approved, NIOSH certified, that's been sterilized versus one that might be uncertain that's come in from overseas. There have been complaints in other parts of the world about substandard PPE uh, that just isn't up to the task of, of what would be expected in normal times. So we know right now hospitals are trying to balance conserving what they have in case there's another surge of this, making sure that people have access to PPE, making sure it's quality PPE. And we have focused on the hospitals in our conversation here. What's the situation like in nursing homes? Well, and, and that's something that we're hearing about really piecemeal. We get it from viewers who occasionally say, well, I work in a nursing home or I work in an assisted living facility and I have to bring in my own masks or we don't have you know these N95s, so we're having to do the best we can. And I think that's where the Department of Health Services uh, theoretically could come in because they have been calling for donations, calling for suppliers um, of, of these kinds of uh, pieces of equipment so that they can stockpile them and then distribute them through local counties. And this is where if you work in a nursing home, in theory, your employer, if they don't have access or they don't have enough, should be going to your local county emergency managers or whoever that may be and saying, hey, we need some of this. Can we get some from the state's stockpile? And, and that would be the avenue. We're not hearing whether or not that's happening on any regular basis. Again, I don't have any umbrella organization who said to us that long-term care facilities in general have tried and been turned down. Um, but we do know that we're hearing, at least anecdotally, that there are a number of employees of nursing homes and long-term care facilities that don't have the kind of N95 equipment that hospitals are providing to nurses and doctors. Someone hearing this might go, okay, we're past the peak. Hospitals are saying they have enough PPE. Sounds like we don't have a whole lot to worry about right now. Is that right? Maybe we don't right now, at least in the hospital. And again, that, that WHA, Wisconsin Hospital Association dashboard, they've been tracking the supplies of, uh, of this equipment. And, and they are still saying roughly 30% of hospitals have less than a week's supply. Now, even in those cases, I've been told that many of those hospitals may have less than a week's supply on site, but their hospital system has access to stockpiles that they can continue to draw from. So that even may be misleading. So let's imagine for a minute that most hospitals in the state have enough of this for at least the most important roles in the hospital for nurses and doctors who have direct contact with COVID-19 patients or those who are likely to be infected. That's right now. We've, we're past the initial peak, but there is still a concern about a second wave. Whether that comes as we start to release people back into sort of, you know, the public, you know, businesses open back up and, and people start to interact once again, or next fall when flu season hits, because there is still some concern that this may well be a seasonal type virus. We don't know if the summer is going to come and that's going to tamp it down much like typical flu season or cold season would. And if that's the case, will it then come back with a vengeance in the fall? And there's a concern that that could well be the case. And if so, 
they need to be prepared for another surge and peak in demand on these supplies. So UW Health Supply Chain Manager says, we're okay right now with N95s, but we're sterilizing the used ones so that we can keep a stockpile in case there's another wave. There was a lot to unpack here in this story, Brian. What was your big takeaway? What surprised you the most? I think what surprised me the most was the idea that on the one hand, we're hearing, we'll take anything we can get. And and, and maybe I'm not as informed as some other people. I don't work in healthcare, but I, I often try to look at myself as a viewer as much as a reporter. And as a viewer, as a consumer of news, I was under the impression people were at home sewing face masks for healthcare workers. That's not the case. So one of the surprises, and maybe that was naivety on my own part, but they're not sewing these for healthcare workers. It was being, they're, they're being used for visitors. And understandably, you want your healthcare workers who are on the front lines to have the best possible equipment. They are taking huge risks every day in treating people who are infected with this disease. Uh, but I think the bigger surprise was that if there is, in fact, we've been given all the impressions of the world there's a huge shortage. If, in fact, there's a shortage, why wouldn't they consider large numbers of, of masks that are coming from overseas if, in fact, they've been deemed to be rough equivalents of the gold standard? Is At what point is, uh, is you know the perfect getting in the way of the good if there's a shortage? And, and what I really came away with, I guess, as I leave the story, I'm left with the impression the shortage just really isn't what we've been told it is, at least not at this point as after we've passed the original peak in cases. All right. Thanks, Brian. I know that that's something you'll stay on. And certainly if anyone has any information about this situation, there are lots of ways to get in touch with us, including sending us an email at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. Absolutely. And and this is, uh, you know, th- this whole COVID-19 pandemic is is a fluid situation. It changes every day. And, uh, and we talk about this every day. It doesn't mean we're always right. If you hear something we've said that's wrong, that needs correction, that needs context, follow up, let us know. We want to hear from you. And of course, we're going to continue bringing you more frequent episodes of Open Record as we cover this pandemic. If there is a topic you want us to discuss, something you think we should investigate, some additional information you need to know about or you want us to know about today's podcast, send us an email at the investigators at fox6now.com. That's the investigators at fox6now.com. Thanks, Brian. And thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we'll be back tomorrow. Mm-hmm.